0: too much horror
1: business driving late at night psycho 78 12 o'clock don't be late
2: i said all this horror business greetings and salutations my name is justin lore
1: and i'm liam o'donnell
2: And you are listening to episode 147 of Hard Business. And we have a fucking banger of an episode in today. We have rallied the troops. Okay? We've rallied the troops. And you better fucking believe that it's time to believe. Because we are joined by Greg Pollard, Jude Miller, and Ryan Rayburn of Go Time and Straight to the Point.
1: (laughs) Perfect.
3: Clever.
1: Also, Greg does podcasts. I mean, you might want to mention that, right?
2: I also might want to mention they were in the, my favorite Philadelphia straight edge band of all time. One up. Hello. Oh,
4: thank you, Justin. Yeah.
2: yeah. Hey, what's up? Thank
5: mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Even though, you know, really Jersey, if you think about it. Yeah, sort of. But so we can't be above like turning point, floor punch or mouthpiece, but maybe we can be in like top ten.
2: I can say you're above Floor Punch. I- Greg, after oh, that oh, effusive thanks. intro, that's I'm all you're going to focus honored. on is what state it honored. is. Come on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we are,
2: we are joined by these gentlemen. Uh, Greg also does the Where It Went podcast. I believe it's the official Revelation
5: Records. Podcast. No, it's not. It's not official. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we went rogue. We've gone rogue. You've gone rogue? rogue. No. Well, I mean, it was never official. We just, okay. you know, we get some... Uh, you are not financially compensated, that's for sure. Okay, but okay. <laughs> but you know, if we need contacts or something, we can usually muster that up.
4: You what? mean like contact lenses, like Revelation Records, like covers your. Rev contact. contacts, Yo, like you, you know the
5: mm-hmm. you know the thriller contact lenses, the <laughs> just yellow. It's like that, but it has the Rev Star. That's awesome. So
2: uh we are going to talk about we let we let these gentlemen pick their these two movies we're going to be talking about 1970 you might have heard of this movie it's 1977's um I don't Liam you're going to get pissed at, is this a giallo no, no it's not a giallo not a giallo Dario Argento's 1977 uh Opus Day also I I misuse that term Suspiria and then 1988's supernatural slasher Chris Sarandon vehicle, mm-hmm. Brad Dorff vehicle, them just mm-hmm. holding hands in a fucking convertible driving through the streets of Chicago <laughs> to murder a child. Child's play.
1: <laughs> Gentlemen, who wants to tackle why these movies? Why what, Why did we pick? Because I got to say, on one hand, I this makes sense for me because these are two very important movies that for some insane reason we've never discussed before when justin sent them to me i'm like bullshit because i just was sure we must have talked about them and we haven't so that's 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 the obvious answer but secondarily it's one of the weirder double features that anyone could if you program this at a theater people be like wait what the fuck so why these movies specifically
4: i'm so glad you asked that liam so when we get to analyzing the movies individually I see, because this is like the filmic lens through which I view the world. Okay. Um, I see connections directly to both of them. Whoa. um, To uh, the work of David Lynch. One is inspiring David Lynch and the other in small ways is inspired by David Lynch. I wouldn't say that's why we picked them.
3: Sure, um, sure.
4: But I definitely can see a through line there. Um, so since we're covering Child's Play first... Um, I would like maybe Greg to say a little bit about the Child's Play franchise and, and, you know, your love of it.
5: So for me, I was thinking about this earlier. That Child's Play was one of the er- like one of the earlier memories I have of like how like how important movie posters are, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, because I remember, you know, came out in 1988. So I was seven and I'm in the video store. Uh, well, back then, it probably took a year to get to video. So I was seven or eight years old. And I see this, the poster for it. And it like, I, I wanted to see it so bad. Now, I, growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch. My parents are really strict about movies. Um, so I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies. Like until I was probably, you know, in high school or something. And then they couldn't control. But we managed to get. They probably in 1991 or so, I was in fifth grade. They did a uh, they played it on one of the, you know, channel six or something. And it was edited and we taped it. And that became like my holy grail. Like I just was obsessed with it.
1: I love yeah. I love a good horror origin story. I, I think that's very good.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And um yeah. And then, the, you know, the sequels, I I wrestled between I really like the second one a lot. Um, I think it holds up to the first and then, you know, obviously the rest are just super campy. Mm -hmm.
1: We'll get more into this in a little bit. Does anybody want to say something about Suspiria before we do some of our thank yous?
6: Uh, the first time I saw Suspiria was, uh, maybe two years ago. Um, which was surprising for me because I've been watching horror movies since I was in kindergarten and shouldn't have been. Um, but (laughs) For me, seeing that movie for the first time was like my seeing John Carpenter's Halloween for the first time. Sure. Is my favorite film. Um, The score, the, the everything about it. I, there's so much. There's a lot to talk about. But I just I was completely blown away by this, you know, old movie that I thought like this can't possibly be that good.
4: Yeah. And the first time I saw Suspiria was actually earlier this year. Fidge came over. He was like, we're going to hang out. And I need you to watch Suspiria because you've never seen it. Um, it's gonna blow your mind. And I was like, okay, sure, I, I, I like a movie. Um, and then it legitimately like blew my mind. Um, and I hadn't felt that powerfully about a movie since the first time I watched either David Lynch's Mulholland Drive or Jodorowsky's The Holy Mountain. Oh, uh, um,
1: good, good pulls.
4: So you know, it was like, which I want to say more about it when we get to the movie itself. But it really. Had a powerful impact on me, at as a grown man. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
1: I uh, I am obsessed with Suspiria. I'm a big Suspiria fan. It's something we've talked a little bit about on the show before, uh, when we've talked about other Argento stuff. But uh, famously, I saw it when I was real young, and I was like, kind of bummed on it. Like I appreciated it, but I I couldn't imagine putting it on again. I was like, I guess okay, all right. And then I came back to it after college and began sort of a a, a love affair that has not faded at all. And he, even though at some level, as a big Dario Dar- Argento fan, he has a number of movies that I actually think are all kind of vying for what I think are the best, Like, like... Uh, uh, sort of the the most well done of his films, but none of them can unseat Suspiria from my heart just because of like the way it has kind of influenced me as a movie watcher. But we're going to get into all these details. Justin, we got to thank some people though before we start the main meat of the episode. Who do, we, who do we have to thank?
2: First off, we should thank the people who have lovingly and oh so kindly donated to our patron, Patreon on patreon.com. Uh, we don't do this for free. I mean, we, we do do this for free but running a podcast comes with costs uh it shouldn't but it does um and your appreciated donations help offset those costs so if you're interested in you know enabling our nonsense and our bullshit you can head to www.patreon.com backslash cinepunks you're not just helping out this podcast you're helping out a bunch of other podcasts including cinepunks and you know a bunch of other ones um, <laughs>
3: He's
1: such a jerk.
2: (laughs) Patreon.com backslash CinePunks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, We also want to thank our friends over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, X-L-V-A-C-X.com. They're they're my friends. Justin is. They're they're his enemies. Um, They do screen printing. If you need something screen printed, hit them up. The reality is, no matter how much shit we talk about, Chris reject, if you want something at a good price with people who are easy to work with. That's what it is, right? And the good price thing, when we say good price, we're not just being nice. The man doesn't know how to run a business. He's got, you're going to rip him off is what it boils down to. So you, if you want a fucking stupid deal on some quality screen printing, xlvscx.com. Justin, who else do we want to thank?
2: Uh, I want to send a shout out to Paul Sorvino, you know, Gone okay. But Not Forgotten. Um, I still think of him every time uh, I watch the stuff and he says a bunch of racist shit. But in addition to Paul Sorvino, I also want to thank Essex Coffee Roasters.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good reference. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, great reference. Yeah. Because Essex Coffee Roasters, they want to take the elitism out of coffee, which is the reason I, I often don't drink coffee. And if I do, I get the shittiest coffee I can find and make the biggest fucking deal about it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Head over to sxcoffeeroasters.com. Enter in the code Cinepunk, C I N E P O N X. You're going to get 10% off your order. What's your order going to be? It's going to be uh, uh, high quality beans, roasted to order, quality teas, and they even got merch over there. They got funky t shirts and stuff. Come on. They got a lot of times they'll have a band or other sort of artist related releases of coffee. It's great. Uh, uh this episode was made listenable, especially with this many people on the line, by our buddy Sharky over at Mechanical Shark Media. Uh, let, you know, Hit him up. And, of course, I always want to promote my own thing, Ruffka Fan Club. If you weren't able to get one of the um, uh, Lady Snowblood or um, Lone Wolf and Cub shirts... The extras from that drop are up on the website now. So uh, roughcutfanclub.com. Okay, what do we do now, Justin? Now comes the
2: time in the podcast when I am a voodoo-empowered serial killer (laughs) running through Chicago at night, being chased by Chris Sarandon, and I get shot in the leg, and I'm like, oh, God, this is it. This is, oh, I'm gonna die. And I break into a toy store. I'm in search of a body to put my conscience into. And for some fucking reason I think putting myself into a doll is a good idea and as I'm, as I'm praising Damballa and begging for his power, their power, whatever, I don't know, I look over and cowering in the toy aisle I see Jude and Greg and Fidge for some reason <laughs> and I look at them and I say, gentlemen, before I break the laws of the universe and become a doll, tell me what have you done involving Har recently?
4: I have, I have an answer, but if somebody else wants to go first.
5: You go for it, my friend.
4: Um, so I recently watched um, two other horror movies, um, one from 2014 and then one from 2023. The one from 2023, I think, is debatably a horror movie, but I will characterize it as such. Um. So I watched the movie It Follows from 2014 for the first time. Oh, that's great! That's <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I think it's great.
2: Uh, Liam, Liam, uh, remember when we saw that movie?
3: Oh
1: my god, you're going to talk did, about this again. Did
2: anything happen in the theater during that movie?
1: So. Jude, you just saw this movie, so you know this is true. It Follows is a movie where you have to be paying attention, you have to be invested in what's going on. So if there's a row of 20 some college students who won't shut the fuck up, (laughs) you gotta let them know that it's time for them to like be quiet because the movie's on and uh, you need to pay attention to the movie. So I just, you know, I just casually got up and went
5: full on dad.
1: I just (laughs) said, can you guys shut the fuck up right now? There was nothing casual
5: about what you did.
1: I was mad. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that funny. Have I mean, you come on? I'm sure other people have told people to shut the fuck the up at the movies before. The
2: best is no, how it's great. The best is how I went to leave and you that. made me sit back down. You're like, no, we're making them walk by us. And I was like, okay, man, this is your fucking world. I'm just living in it.
1: <laughs> That's true. I did want to look at all their faces and give them a chance to talk shit if they were going to talk shit. But uh, nobody said a nobody said a word. Nobody said a word.
4: So wait, I, did they, they stayed in the theater but kept quiet?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they kept quiet, and then when the movie was over. I didn't want to run out of the theater. I'm like, let's give them a chance in case anyone wants to let me know something on their way out of the theater. But
3: yeah, you know, was,
1: it is what it is. I, here's the thing: that all sounded very tough. I'm not a tough person. I don't get in fights. It's not like that. It's just you respect the movie. You know, I get it that they weren't yeah. into the movie, but I don't get know it, about I you, Jude. I fucking love the movie, and yeah. I didn't want some assholes talking through the whole thing.
4: No, nope, I agree. I thought it was really well Fair. done. I'm excited for the sequel that's supposed to be coming out. Yep. Um, I'm also excited for the other related movie that's coming up soon, Long Legs. Um, oh my God!
6: Is
1: that related?
6: I did not know that. It's not really. I think it's Make Make Monroe or however yeah. she says her name. Dude, oh, have, love have her, you yeah. guys been following the the weird viral campaign that's been going on with that? I love it. It yeah. tells me absolutely nothing about the yeah. movie, and I'm it's just
4: fine unsettled. with that. Like, I didn't realize that like Nicholas Cage is in it. Yeah. Yep.
2: I didn't even know that. Yeah. The first thing they released neon Neon Pictures, who's who's uh, I guess who made it. They released audio oh the it's audio the only picture is like of like a like a family photo and it's gradually zooming in on the young daughter and in the 911 audio, you you hear this guy like weeping and saying that's not my daughter and like Ugh. that was released like 2 months ago and they didn't cool. say anything about it so i was just like yo what the fuck is this like what yeah. is
6: this going to be this reminds me of when people the the viral marketing campaign for smile like the people at the baseball games and stuff oh yeah that was well done that was creepy yeah but
1: that's a good example like if you're gonna do that kind of campaign you better have a banger movie because if you do all this yeah. shit and the movie comes out and people aren't stoked on it, they're going to tr- it, it gets that much more edge to it. If you did this much hype beforehand, because people get cranky about it, like, mm-hmm. like people will treat this movie unfairly if it's not as good as they as they think it will be. You know what I mean?
4: Well, kind of along those lines, the other movie that I saw recently, which I am characterizing as a horror movie and others can I invite deliberation and discussion about this. Um, was a movie that I went in very cold on. I knew next to nothing. I watched the trailer, which doesn't have a single line of dialogue in it. Was the zone of interest, which oh, holy hands shit. down has the most horrifying use of just like ambient incidental sound I can think of in any movie for the entire movie, and it's mm. bone chilling.
2: Yeah, I heard that movie. Uh, I saw people talking about it on Threads, and I looked up like just the synopsis, and I was like, I don't need to watch that. Like that, that, that's that won't be good for my my my, my mental yeah. health.
4: It was really well done. I really want to so see. So those it. are the, yeah, I would recommend. Um, so those are my two, my two horror movies. I appreciate
1: you characterizing that as a horror movie. I don't. I haven't seen anyone else do that, but I have seen a lot of people talk about how upsetting it was so in a sense that's often what you want with a horror movie not all horror movies are meant to be that upsetting but um i think that's a movie that is designed to get under people's skin i'm definitely going to try to see it uh i haven't had a chance to see it yet but i i've read just enough about it to be very anxious about it going in but i'm still i'm still excited to see it
4: if if chucky or child's play one is about um when the terror is domestic the zone of interest is about the banality of evil. Right. Oh, yes.
6: okay. I love that. Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right. Who
1: wants to go next?
0: God,
6: I haven't seen any horror recently. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I want the list. The last movie I watched that was new was society of the snow. And I was, I was oh. very excited for that. Uh, big, Big fan of the, the book Alive and that whole story. Like, I read that book and I want to say it's like one of those that changed my life. Um, but it was nice to see a Spanish language version of that story. I mean, I, I, I liked Alive, but, you know, we can't have Ethan Hawke playing someone from Uruguay anymore. Right, 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 right.
2: Or, anyone, or, or a bunch of white <laughs> and Italian dudes playing Spanish kids. <laughs> children, <laughs> playing Spanish children. right, right. <laughs>
6: But yeah, that was it. How about you, Greg?
5: <laughs> so for me, I like as far as movies, um, you know, I can't. Well, I obviously I had seen Suspiria for the first time the other day for this, but like, does does I don't know? Does True Detective count? Uh, uh yeah, yes,
1: one hundred percent. And I have also been watching it, and I'm I'm into it. While a lot of people seem not into it.
5: So I saw oh, f- that the the well. So full disclosure, I haven't seen last nights yet. Me either. Um, me either. So, so I've only seen I've only seen the first, I guess, two. Um, I saw that the guy that originally created it or whatever is not very fond of this season, um, for, for for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what his his bone to pick was with it if it was after seeing last night's episode or whatever. But yeah, so far I'm I'm enjoying it. Uh, that's one thing. And then I I'm really I'm into like real life horror too, like you know like true crime. I I still can. I mean, to me that gives me a lot of the same vibes as like a good horror movie. It just happens to be real. So I can fuck with that. I watch a Mm. lot of uh forensic files. (laughs) Huh. <laughs> I appreciate that.
3: So that's cool.
5: that's my other R, So
1: That's that's <laughs> definitely not my vibe, but I appreciate it. But yeah, I, 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 I stuff like that, for some reason I've never been stoked on it.
5: I love it. Hmm. To the point where my family's concerned. Oh, no. <laughs>
6: <laughs> when you start learning, that's when we have to worry. Yeah. Exactly. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh so okay, I guess that makes it my turn, Justin.
6: Uh sure.
3: Okay.
1: I am in a similar boat where I actually haven't watched that much, which is not that rare. Justin will let you know when we do this often, he's like, here are the 10 movies I've seen off of 2B. And I'm like, uh, I read a horror comic. Does that count? I just I haven't had uh, a chance. I have started a lot of recent horror because I've been trying to catch up and I found some of it like not great so i didn't finish it and i don't want to review movies i didn't finish right but there were things i started and then like a good half an hour in was like "Ah, i don't know maybe i'll come back to this you know what i mean like just things where it's like for whatever reason i wasn't sucked into it uh i will say though there's a youtube channel called little white lies that does like film essays and they just published a film essay uh I forget the exact title, but it's basically about food, or I think it's like cuisine in the movie Possession. And it's like (laughs) a six-minute video essay about the use of food and cooking in Possession. And it's fucking perfect. It's so goddamn good. And it really manages to highlight something that I didn't quite realize, which is, you know, anyone listening who hasn't seen Possession – It is a horror movie and a domestic drama squished together under the shadow of a nuclear disaster, basically. Right. So wait, wait, wait,
2: wait. We're talking the Sam Neill.
1: Yes. Yes. And oh, it's so oh, it's so fucked. It's like
2: it's the best breakup movie of all time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a breakup that literally ends in a in a in a Uh nuclear apocalypse. So that's like. Is that what that is? Oh yeah, that's a. You didn't know that. That's Mm. why the flash is at the end, man. That's that's the bombs going off. Oh, okay.
2: I thought I thought that was Bob dying in the fucking bathtub, and he was seeing his life flashing before his eyes. Oh
1: no no no! That's it's the bombs fall. That's well, and I think you're thinking of the American ending, not the European ending.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm fucking. I'm just an American. Uh, I'm just saying the I'm
1: European sorry. cut
4: is like 20 minutes longer. You've seen uh, the European yo, cut though, right? We're getting we're getting in the weeds here. This isn't horror hobby. This is horror business, y'all. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very
1: good. Uh anyways, it's a really good video essay because uh, you know, obviously a lot of the movie deals with domesticity in like the way that uh that um Oh, Justin, what is her name? The actress's name, I totally forget. Isabel
2: it Yes, Isabel yeah. Johnny.
1: Uh her character is like sort of rejecting all of domestic life rejecting both of her sort of both her husband and her lover and sort of embracing you know an octopus demon creature you know and uh <laughs> and that i never noticed how the food is a part of that like Justin, remember the big fight scene where she's trying to make something out of hamburger and it's not food right she just makes a pile of bush right like yeah i mean
2: i i was gonna say like when you were talking about food i was like is there food in that movie aside aside from like All the shit she's throwing around in the subway when she's having a fucking meltdown. Oh,
1: yes. There are two different scenes where she's fighting while supposedly cooking. But then whatever she ends up with doesn't look like food you would eat. And then, yes, there's the subway scene where she loses her mind. And then also there are people eating around her. So the two really noticeable eating scenes are the man on the subway who steals her banana like as if she doesn't exist.
2: Okay, yes. There's a homeless Ooh.
1: man who steals the banana out of her shopping, and she's just sitting there and doesn't say anything, and it's, like, so dehumanizing, this moment. Like, he literally wants her to call him out for stealing the banana. He's just staring at her, and she just pretends like he's not there. And then the man that Sam Neill hires to follow her takes this really weird break to eat a hot dog. Like, he gets a hot Ooh. dog at a cart, and... uh. uh Jowalski spends a long time on this fucking hot dog like why are we with this guy with the hot dog this is not as interesting as the tentacle creature and yeah. I think I think it's supposed to be that like both these men that kind of represent stealing her power are specifically eating phallic objects as a sort mm-hmm. of like as a symbol of power you know so yeah. anyways anywho it's a fucking nightmare of a movie and I love it Uh, but that's it otherwise I've I've just also been watching True Detective and finding that uh, very upsetting. And then the only other thing I want to mention is relevant to what we're doing here today, which is I watched the Dario Argento documentary on Shudder. Uh, it's called Ooh. Panico. And I watched it really just to see if he had any Additional insights about Suspiria in the documentary. And uh, lo and behold, he did not. There was nothing. It's a very interesting, very good documentary. If anyone cares about Dario Argento, I, I recommend it. But if you're watching it, say, because you're about to do a podcast on Suspiria and you're hoping you'll get some Suspiria tidbits, there is nothing. They literally are just like, yeah, it's the most popular of his movies. It's a real nightmare, cool colors. And then the only insight was uh, Asia Argento saying, oh, my dad didn't care anything about supernatural stuff that was on my mom this movie was basically co-written by her uncredited this is why they got divorced
5: oh wow oh wow
1: yeah like literally in her opinion as his daughter this was the last straw the first straw by the way for those of you who've seen four flies on gray velvet which is the movie he did before deep red uh the two characters in that movie look exactly like him and his wife and it's about them not having a good marriage so his wife was like hey are you trying to tell me something what the fuck yeah. is going on here and he's like no i don't know what you're talking about Like he <laughs> he claims that it was completely unintentional so that was the first that was the first problem and then the second problem was when she's like she was apparently supposed to star in suspiria but then he cast uh uh oh justin what is her name why did my brain just go away
6: is it jennifer something no the, you mean the, the main the main yeah line. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That jennifer be... harper no jessica yes. Harper. Jessica, Jessica yeah, Harper. Jessica yeah. Harper.
1: Yeah. yeah, he he basically when he found out she could do it, any question of his wife being in it went out the window. So <laughs> uh, so I think that was the last straw. Is like, hey, you stole my witch's idea, and I'm not in the movie. So uh, I think this I think this marriage is over. Uh, which by the way is psychotic to me, but okay. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Anyways, that's it. I watched that documentary again. It's great, but they didn't say anything interesting about Suspiria, which is kind of a bummer. No. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Uh, I haven't really done much in the way of horror, um, I just, we just posted a review of a film I watched on CinePunks, um, called There is a Monster, (sighs) I feel shitty saying this, I, I, it's fine, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it, because it was kind of a choppy movie to watch, it gets to a very dark, satisfying place in the end, but it is not a rewarding journey, um, that is on, I think it's on Tubi for free or voodoo for, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I, this is not horror related, but if you guys, I know you guys follow me on Instagram, like I'm almost done with my Sopranos rewatch mm-hmm. and I'm getting to the, the part where shit gets really dark, mm-hmm. like in that show where the people start dying and that's horrific.
1: Sure, sure.
2: Um, I've also been eating nothing but Italian food for the past like week and a half, so that's you know <laughs> in
5: perfect. preparation for my, my body.
2: My body is like screaming at me right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, then there was a, you know, I don't know, like it's nothing we haven't said already. True Detective. It's, um, I love how Issa Lopez has straight up said this season has been an inversion of the first season. In every way, which means uh, it is going to be female detectives investigating male victims. It is going to be cold instead of hot. And it is going to be supernatural instead of, like, you know, whatever the first season was. Whatever, like, fucking quasi-Lovecraftian, Nick Ligotti mm-hmm. stuff the first season was. Um,
1: I mean, I think that's why the other guy... What's the name of the guy who did the first season? I forget his fucking name.
2: Some some fucking Italian kitty. name.
1: There was a kitty. That's what I'm um, so, Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, you're right. Something Italian. Anyways, I think there's two things that I see him be cranky about. One is that it's pretty clear that this is probably going to be actually supernatural, which for him, he feels like is uh, is uh, against the spirit of the show, I guess yeah, is his feeling.
2: Well, well, here's what I say to that. Maybe don't include actual references to H.P. Lovecraft's work in your fucking I know
1: I, I agree and then the like, second the second thing that bums about is he felt like the other two seasons were unique objects and this season is connecting quite directly to season one even having uh, characters that are connected to season one and I think he thinks that's dumb like literally that's the 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 depth of the critique I've seen from him is sort of like oh it's stupid Oh, I would have never agreed to that whatever whatever and I've seen other people who love season one agree with him. I got to be honest, y'all. I can't possibly give a fuck about that. Like, to me, if they nail the connections to season one, the idea that that's, like, fucked up or something, I don't – I don't. that doesn't make any sense to me. It's either good or it's not. If you don't like it, that's fine. No one has to like the things that I think are good. Um, it's not that issue. But when you make very specific criticisms, I, I, I find it weird when I don't understand them, and I don't understand this feeling of, like, it sucks that it's referencing season one. I don't think that sucks at all. Now, they might end up shitting the bed, right? Like mm. any TV show can shit the bed before the season's over. So this this season might end up being bullshit. But as of right now, I think it's really fucking good actually. I'm I'm totally sold off. But
2: here here's here's where here's where I call bullshit on him saying that. He also wrote and produced the 3rd season, which also fucking connected
5: to season 1.
1: But this one's a much more direct. Yeah,
5: the, that okay. that was like a a little like almost like I'd call it more like an Easter egg. Right. Whereas yeah, like that's true, This yeah. one was a lot more is, is definitely a lot more.
1: I mean, that's the guy's dad. The guy's dad is in it, which he's like specifically pissed about.
5: Right. Okay. See, well, I- and the, the symbol, right? I mean, yeah, the
1: symbol also is bowing him out. But I think the dad thing, because then people were saying, well, if the ghost of the dad is in the show, then Matthew McConaughey is going to show up. Like he's going to, Russ is going to show up. And the creator was like, no, fuck that. He would never do that. This is bullshit. But like that, that idea specifically made him irrationally angry on social media, which also, <laughs> if you're a creator, why shit so hard on other people's stuff? in public. Like if he's at a party and he wants yeah. to talk shit with his friends, cool, that makes sense. In public you're just like this new thing is so bullshit, I fucking hate. It. Like, yo man, calm down. All right? Like what are we doing here? Come on. oh
2: Fuck yeah. this guy. Fuck Nick Pop Pizzolato. Is
1: that what it is? I don't
2: know what his fucking
4: name Yeah. Is. I'm excited fucking. to see season 4. I haven't started yet. I'm hearing great things obviously right now in this oh. conversation. I watched <laughs> one, I loved it. I watched two. I was very disappointed and then I, I didn't even finish two. Yeah. By the end of two, I was like, I don't even care who killed anyone. Honestly, I don't want I hope they never detect it. I
2: liked the um, third one.
4: I third, watch great.
2: That too. third one was great. Mahershala Ali and, and Stephen. I almost said Braddorf. Stephen Dorff were amazing in that.
1: I think it's pretty universally accepted that season two is bad, which is why I feel so guilty that I enjoyed
3: it.
4: Mm. Oh, nice.
1: It's so fucking scummy that, like, I think the very thing that bummed everyone else out. I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm I'm with you. Let's let's get down in the dirt. I'm into it." Like, I I get it. It is not a satisfying follow up to the first season. Like, there's literally no thematic connections between the two in my mind. They're utterly separated. And yet, I was into it the whole time. Not as much as season one, obviously, but I enjoyed it.
2: Uh Nice. Oh, also, I wanted to, um, I forgot to mention, I started reading, my mom for Christmas got me this trilogy of books, uh, it's The Other by Troy Young, it's three books, um, it's about Cthulhu and all that other shit, it's like Lovecraftian stuff, I was way into it when I started it, and the more I read, the more I'm like, oh, this dude is just ripping off F. Paul Wilson to, like, an insane degree, um, and if you guys want to know more, you can head to this just in on com and check out my uh, retrospective on F. Paul Wilson. Uh, but it's like a series of short stories about, you know, normal everyday people encountering, um, you know, like Cthulhu and all the other fucking tentacle weirdos out there. Um, it's pretty spooky because at one point there's like an alien abduction scene, but it turns out that like what people are being abducted by aren't quote unquote aliens, they're like minions of, um, you know, I don't know some racist thing that you know H.P. Lovecraft came up with. <laughs> they're pro- it's they're probably allegories for Asian people. I don't know, but that was pretty effective. But yeah, that that counts as hard because I've been like grinding my way through that.
4: Nice, yo. While we're at it, I promise I'll keep this one brief. But um, since you plug a book, Justin, um, I'm reading this book right now called Chain Gang All Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. Um, okay, and it's it's like uh much more like dystopian than it is horror and it's fucking awesome. And it's like Scott, um, it's like, uh, the basic, like, f- like overview of the plot, um, in some ways is very similar to like maybe running man or something like that. But the book is like, got so much more depth than that. Um, and it's like such a, like biting indictment of like the prison industrial complex, like systemic oh, racism. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's it's really great. Chain Gang All-Stars, Nana Kwame Adjebrena. can't recommend it enough. Shoot,
1: Yo, me a,
2: shoot shoot me a text with that title. Yeah, Yo, for sure.
1: I'm going to do a quick book thing too. Uh, uh Evan Vallela himself, known Max Hedrum impersonator, sent me <laughs> <laughs> sent me a copy of a book uh, older book from the 80s called The Park is Mine in which a Vietnam vet who's dealing with very serious PTSD uh gets a bunch of weapons and takes over Central Park and declares guerrilla warfare against all the police. And uh, I'm about halfway through it. And it's so stupid and so perfect. It just makes me so happy. The idea that this one dickhead is like Claymore mined half of Central Park and all these cops are like, we're going to go in there and smash some heads. And then it does not go well for them. It's so fucking good, man. Like, I just been reading it like there is no I mean, okay, there's some emotional content because he really is writing this guy. And what he's been through, very sympathetically. So it's not totally detached. But when he's not detailing this person's uh, PTSD in a very sympathetic way, all he's doing is having him murder people trying to come into the park. And I'm like, yeah, man, this is great. I'm into it. So uh, I, oh, I will ahead. always
2: fall. I will always 100 fall on the sides of PTSD-ridden vets, with the sole exception of Timothy McVeigh, only because he blew up the Alfred P. Murrow building at the wrong time. If he had blown it up when it was empty, I'd be like, I'm okay with Tim McVeigh. <laughs>
1: Anyways, it's, it's a fun book. Okay, we should probably take a break and get into these movies because it sounds like we're going to have a shit ton to discuss about these interesting films.
2: We are. So we are going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1977's Giallo.
6: Stop it. It's a Giallo. <laughs> Stop it wikipedia calls it a giallo yeah thank they're you. fucking idiots thank you <laughs>
2: 1977's italian giallo film i'm gonna Suspiria. murder everyone i'm
1: we'll gonna giallo right everyone that's what's we'll gonna be, be right be. back roses
0: are red violets are blue but the iris is the flower i will mean me Suspiria. Suspiria. You can hide from Suspiria. Saspiria. But you cannot escape. Suspiria. Nothing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria for the first 92.
2: And we are back to talk about 1977 Italian supernatural horror film. I don't want to hear Liam's bullshit, so I won't call it a giallo. Suspiria. Wait, now,
1: there is not one black leather glove in the movie. Come on. Okay. Oh, you do have a point there.
2: Um, all right, gentlemen, let's talk about this. Why did let Let's talk about Suspiria. Let's talk about our backgrounds with it. Let's mm-hmm. Let's dive into it. Who wants to go
4: first? So, if I can get it started really quickly, one thing I want to like kind of put out there right out of the gate is that like you know y'all know your history. Like y'all like I have like an entire encyclopedic like knowledge of different sub nodes of sub genres of horror this movie in particular i actually knew very little about and like huh. you know i i kind of like you know i've been like you know like a pretty avid movie watcher like my whole life like greg you described how when you were a kid you're you know it's difficult to watch r-rated movies my parents were and remain like tremendous film buffs um so i had seen a lot of things like as a young kid um and you know I had never seen this movie until I was like 39. So I approached this discussion today of both Suspiria and Child's Play 1 with very much like a non-academic lens. I don't know the history of – I mean, Liam, you were talking about like the Dario Argento documentary you watched. Like I actually know very little about the background of this movie, um, and I'm here for the discussion about it. I had like a very – um, sensory and powerful experience seeing it for the first time. Hmm. Um, and I think what it did to me as a viewer, um, I was really just taken by and grateful for. Um, and the first time I watched it, as I said, was like earlier this year when Fidge was like, yo, you got to watch this movie.
1: We should, we should probably just get people's like reactions since so many of us, it's like a new, a newer experience, maybe not exactly entirely new, but it's not like we have a long history with the movie. Uh, but I wanted to uh, just before that ask you, Jude. Were you aware of Dario Argento very much before seeing Suspiria? Is that like a name you're you're familiar with?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, like I had seen like friends of mine had had like T-shirts and sure, sure, like, sure, sure. This sure, is sure. like you know, I knew that it was an important movie in the same way that you know that like Citizen Kane is or something like that. But right. I just I never got around to watching it.
1: Mm. Uh, I'm assuming anyone listening to this, you know for the most part knows what Suspiri is, but just in case we have someone who had, you know, much like, uh, Greg and Jude had not gotten a chance to see this movie or, you know, much earlier in their lives, just really quick. Uh, you know, Jessica Harper is a ballerina who gets invited to, uh, participate in a, uh, uh ballet sort of like a school in Berlin, Germany and, uh, bada bing, bada boom. All of them are witches. There we go. That's basically what it's about. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so it's like, that's really just the plot. It's just that. And then it's almost like Dario Argento was like, okay, but why don't we make that as weird and upsetting as possible?
2: Or, mm-hmm. uh, th- as much as I hate to give him credit for it, Eli Roth once described this movie as the most beautiful things he's ever seen on film happening, happening horribly. And mm-hmm. I was like, when he said that, I was like, fuck, that's such a fucking good description of this movie. Because like, this movie really is gorgeous looking and it is packed to the gills with just like awful cruelty. Yes. Um, Like there's a reason that the lighting of this movie is like, it's the fucking Argento lighting. It just, it looks like a, like an LSD fever dream. And it's, 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 it's amazing.
6: (laughs) It's a, it's a painting, a moving painting. Yes, exactly.
2: Especially like, and within the first five minutes, you know what you're in for, like that scene mm-hmm. with the with the skylight like that mm-hmm. scene alone is just like Jesus Christ, they were really swinging for the fences with this well, mm-hmm. and
1: even just before that, the slow build to the unexplicable hairy arm coming through the fucking window and smushing her face up against the window till it breaks through a there's no logic to that right Mm -hmm. and you know i in that uh documentary there's a section where guillermo del toro is describing argento as he has this kind of fairy tale logic where he just introduces you to these insane things and you just accept it because it's done with such confidence you're just like okay that makes sense so like in this movie and then a woman falls into a room filled with wire
3: oh, it, it's a, it's,
1: a, it's a pure nightmare, but also <clears throat> why the fuck would there be a room full of wire you don't i you'd have to be a really detached motherfucker to take the time to go this is weird why is this happening It's just happening right same thing in like deep red when the weird puppet comes out of the wall or in inferno there's just a room that's underwater under yeah. an apartment building no Dude, reason it's just th- th- there th- th- the
2: house <laughs> of water like I, I i when I first saw that I was like Okay, they're going to explain this at some point, right? Like there is a fucking no. nope.
1: The world is a horrible place as well as at times a magical place. Uh but because it's a horrible place, horrible things are going to happen and they they just exist and you don't get to ask why. It doesn't there's no answer waiting for you, you know? And so in this movie, when that arm comes through the window, you're either thinking, well that must be some crazy magic shit, I don't know, or you're thinking where the fuck did that arm come from? Like, there's no explanation for it, but it's just <laughs> happening, and I'm upset that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, How about y'all? Like, Greg, this was like your very first time watching it. Give us some of your thoughts. How did it make you feel? What did you think about it? How does it compare to other horror movies that you enjoy? That sort of thing.
5: So, much like Jude, like, I, I admire the way that you guys are able to talk, like, you know, scholarly about this stuff. Because I always say, like, if I told you the movies that I haven't seen, you'd be like, oh, my God. Because just, again, a lot of it's just from the way I was, you know, being brought up. And my parents were not cultured, really, I don't think. Like, if they were, they hid it from me. So, like, I didn't have, like, uh, you know, I mean, my mom was artistic. But she I don't think she was that into films. I mean, she was. She just, they just didn't think I was able to you know watch films that were had adult subject matter having said that um i really i went in kind of knowing absolutely nothing about the movie i knew that it had been remade um i don't know if you guys if anyone's seen the remake i want to see it um so okay. good things mm. i've heard good things about it but like justin mentioned or maybe it was Liam. The the colors definitely jumped out at me immediately. Like all the just like all, you know these like it would be like real bright colors, a lot of primary colors. Um, and I love like stuff with the occult and things like that. So sure, that and that's sort of where it can sort of tie into the child's play with the voodoo and stuff like that. So mm. there's a little bit of a thread, I guess, but um yeah i i really enjoyed it um nice a really good score Um, oh that score is fantastic Yeah, yeah and another scene that was just so disturbing to me was maggots (laughs) because i I have a real problem with yeah uh like stuff that's actually again like totally believable like yeah like that could happen yeah like Mm -hmm. maggots raining from the ceiling uh, is like nightmare fuel and
1: just creepy and gross.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've maybe mentioned this before already in the podcast, but my favorite, I'm a huge David Lynch fan of my favorite David Lynch movie is Mulholland drive. (laughs) And, um, watching this. So Liam, you mentioned the scene where the hairy arm comes through the window and like, you know, pulls her through the glass. So I, I watched this again and prep for this episode. And I knew very well that that was coming. And it still very successfully got me to like did a jump scare. And it reminded me of the scene of the guy behind Winkies in Mulholland Drive. Oh like God, every God. time I see that scene, I know it's coming. I just rewatched that in theaters with the Philadelphia at the Philadelphia Film Society screening. Yeah. And like I leapt. I'm a thirty nine year old man and I've seen that movie a dozen times. And it's, it's still so upsetting. It's mm-hmm. so upsetting and like the, i i
1: have the same thing there are certain kinds of scares that even though i know it's coming i it fucks me up
4: yeah and like what happened i mean the plot of this movie is almost completely secondary like it's not i think just the sensory experience of every part of it the music the super ornate like set design on everything which i definitely want to talk more about or like i don't know Fidget and i were talking about this on the like before the episode but like when they actually murder the first girl and they're, like, stabbing her heart? That, like, weird, surreal, practical effect. So upsetting. It's so unsettling.
6: It's so, like, by today's standards, I feel like, like, younger generations would laugh at that. And, like, I can look at it and go, oh, God, like, you know, I see the red temper paint and everything, you know, typical Italian horror fashion. But just for some reason, seeing her get, like, why is her heart exposed? And why is he now stabbing her repeatedly in the heart? Like just, and then then it's just, that's not enough for him. Mm -hmm. You know, now he has to hang her. Like, uh,
4: ugh. It doesn't make sense. Life doesn't make sense. It is scary. Life is scary. That's the feeling this movie communicates to me. It's like, it's like the film version of like what it feels like to walk around with anxiety yeah yes. I, I think there's yes. I
1: think there's something to our gentos films generally, at least the early ones that I actually enjoy, uh, where there's just a, a a malevolence going on. there's just things are bad, you know yep. and so this movie, I mean, what I, one of the things I love about the movie is that this is about a coven of witches, and we see them do so little magic. All we see is bad things happening to people, and we just kind of think. Was that the witches? That had to be the witches, right? Like, there, there's some somehow they caused some of the, like, when the dude gets killed by his seeing eye dog, we yeah. just know that that was the witches, even though we never see them cast a spell. We don't even really see Ugh. them in that scene. You see a, a, a shadow on the building that kind of looks like witches on broomsticks, but, like, maybe it wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's no direct indication that they are causing that dog to while out but you know it's you just fucking know it right you hear the goblin score and you're like yeah they did it i don't know what the fuck they did but they fucking they fucked with that dog man like i that indirectness of it actually makes it more upsetting to me and puts it in a world that like you can't trust yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well uh,
5: that's that's the same you know i mean think about like that's one of the ingredients i think that makes this the first you know when we get to child's play because you know just like how you know one of my my favorite movies is jaws and you don't you know what you don't see the shark for the first mm-hmm. hour or something like sometimes what you don't see makes it more scary
6: less is more
1: yeah, yeah. i think that i think that makes a lot of sense uh fish i wanted to ask you cuz you said you saw this like 2 years ago is that right yeah yep has your view of the movie or your understanding of the movie evolved at all cuz for me i found that on subsequent viewings i notice m- more things or i feel differently about certain things has your experience of the movie uh grown over time
6: um i'd say it's stayed relatively the same um i've and i did watch the remake um which isn't bad but you know i i much prefer the like the bright you know acid trippy colors of argento's version versus the like winter tones um But no, it's just like this movie from the beginning, the 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 titles alone, um, like you get that crazy goblin music with the, you know, banging around on toms and the 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 horrifying strings. Um, And then you just you get the theme song every time the door opens at the airport and then it closes. So fucked. Yeah. Why? Mm -hmm. Why is that happening? But I love it. Full disclosure, this might upset some people. I was insane. I had not smoked pot for a long time, and then I went over a friend's house, and we smoked, and then he had me watch Suspiria, followed oh by m- followed by Mandy. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, and was that
5: the first time you saw it?
6: Yes. <laughs> that, that actually seems
1: like cruel. That seems like a cruel trick he played on you.
6: <laughs> I was, I was like, it just, I'm, I'm almost curious how I would feel about, about this movie had I not been under the influence of something. I'm sure I still would have found the, my way to like the, oh my God, you know, this is like hearing the Halloween theme for the first time. And I'm sure I still would have loved it. But I think having that intense, like, you're going to watch this and then you're going to watch Mandy. um,
2: was so a good night. I, I can confirm. So I first saw this movie when I was in college. Um, I had it was the summer between my junior and senior year. I went through this like terrible breakup, and I was like, I'm gonna watch as many because I just stopped sleeping. I was Mm -hmm. like, I I have all this time. I'm gonna watch all these movies that like I should be watching, and Suspiria was one of them. I also watched. I don't know if you guys have ever watched any of the post zombie two zombie movies like Mm -hmm. Zombie Four, Death Birds, and all that shit. I just watched like a lot of Italian horror and. I remember watching this and being like, okay, this is living up to the hype. This is kind of like um a Fulci film, but a little classier, a little um, a little more artistic. And then the thing that 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 the thing that got me then has gotten me on every subsequent review, uh, viewing of it since then, including when I watched this for this episode, this scene at the end when um what's her name? Jessica Harper. Yeah. When Mm. she walks into the the main room and she sees the silhouette of the witch behind the sheet and the witch is like laughing at her and taunting her. And there's like other voices going on. Mm. I remember the first time I saw that, I like shut my laptop and I was like, I got to get it together Mm. because that was like legitimately upsetting. There's just something. It's just the idea of something unseen Mm-hmm. Sounding like that and screaming yeah. at you—that is yeah. so fucking terrible. The, the intensity
1: of the cruelty in her voice, and when she's like, "Behind that door is death. Death is coming for you. Yes, they are dead. dead." Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane, it re- it and reminded, it's so upsetting.
2: It reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of the first phone call in Black Christmas, where it's like, "You fucking yeah, cut. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna cut yeah, your yeah, fucking Yeah, dirt. yeah, like, yeah, yep. yeah. Like, like when there is something that is genuinely sh- like, like ranting and raving at you. I don't know what it is, but it just sets off this like primitive thing in me where I'm like, I'm in danger right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And oh my god. It it just Oh god, this fucking movie. Like it's <laughs> So the I, uh... the
1: A few years ago, I decided to write about Suspiria as part of like a larger series that I was doing where I was um trying to write about horror movie, like a horror movie each day as part of uh, October cool, and awesome. so i I kind of included Suspiria partly because these were shorter pieces, and I felt intimidated to write something longer about it, mm. and so I found myself really fucking searching to figure out how to describe it, and ultimately, I found myself talking about it first kind of as a magic trick, right that all this color and this—I mean, as you were saying, Jude—like uh, there's a there's a sense in which interior design is part of the horror of this I movie, right? About that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but also, like the music, like all these elements, and there—it's not that there isn't brutal violence; there is brutal violence in the movie, but for the level of anxiety and unwellness I feel watching it it's not that much violence, right? It's actually less than a lot of no. other movies that are not nearly as effective.
3: Okay. And so
1: I, at first I said magic trick. Eventually what I described it as was alchemy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a word we hear a lot, but in case anyone listening doesn't know, alchemy is literally the combination of magic and science. It's applying the methodology of science to basically magical ideas. And this 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 thought that through scientific exploration we could harness the power of magic and unleash it into the world but literally it's the combination of things that feel like perhaps they are separated or unconnected but are actually when in combination quite effective right Mm. and I, I sort of got into that in sort of the way that by being dreamlike by not rushing by only having a few moments of very intense violence mixed in with some really like, not just slow, but even like the parts of the movie that you could describe as upbeat. Like when she shows up at the school, right? And she's having that first conversation. Mm -hmm. There are so many things going on in the background that just Uh, are wrong. They just mm -hmm. don't make sense. Why is that person doing that? What's happening over there? Mm -hmm. Like there's this. everything about it is like, there's this anxiety coming through even as the movie is not, Sort of pummeling you with it. So, anyways, I wrote this whole <clears throat> thing about it when I was watching the documentary. The first thing Argento said was that uh, Suspiria was the was sort of the 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 uh, the test case of his filmmaking v being very alchemical in combining huh. a bunch of stuff. And I was like, oh, "That's what I said," and I felt like the coolest dude in the world. I just had that's to say awesome. that. I felt yeah. like I was fucking the the smartest man who ever existed. <laughs> but that being said, I do think when people tell me. Oh man, I'm just not that into Suspiria. Of course, because I love it, some part of me wants to be like, "Oh, what the fuck!" But in reality, it is so unique and it does something that is so different that a lot of times I just think, "Yeah, that's fine." Like I get it. Like this is not what you want. This is not what you expected. It gave you something that you weren't ready for or weren't you like uh, set up for, and it didn't make sense to you. And honestly jude and you bringing up david lynch that really clicked for me or or for that matter yodorowsky right in that if you're not in the space to see those fucking movies there's no way they're going to click with you like if you aren't ready for holy mountain you're going to be like this is the dumbest bullshit i've ever seen in my life (laughs) but if you're ready for it it's a fucking trance you've gone into a trance and you've been transported to another world
4: yeah yeah and i mean to your point about like gosh there's like probably there's just so much to say about like interior design as an element in this movie but yeah. you brought up the scene when she first walks into the school and like the walls themselves it's not clear and i like really tried to scrutinize this they look like they're velvet like, they, like i look think like they're fucking velvet. velvet yeah and like i was like is that like sponge painting like it doesn't make any sense and then i was like who the fuck uses velvet wallpaper what the fuck right. that's so right. weird but Dude, time. this
6: that the apartment complex yeah right
1: also what the fuck
4: what yeah Yeah. and I mean fit this was like a small detail but Fidge you brought this up earlier like when Udo Kier shows up first of all I was like a young Udo Kier Mm -hmm. whoa um but you were like he's sitting outside drinking like a glass of coca-cola where did he get that glass
1: (laughs) it's very random but I, I that scene actually stands out to me because a lot of the architecture in the movie uh, after the airport the airport's very modern right but mm-hmm. after the airport everything just looks weirdly old and medieval yeah. until she goes to talk to this psychologist and suddenly she's in the modern world she's at this fucking mm-hmm. i guess it's a school or something but it just looks so starkly modern it's like intensely brutalist architecture mm-hmm. and you're looking at that being like Oh, she's taking a brief aside into the realm of normality, and soon she will descend back into the realm of nightmares. Like, this is just a brief <clears throat> distraction from this uh, world of magic and insanity that she's been in for the whole movie.
4: Right. right. Which, like, pay- sorry, I hate to be, like, uh, one-track mind about this, but pacing-wise, it's very much like and Drive, where like, yes. the entire movie is, like, dream sequence, she is actually awake for, like four minutes like in act four and then like it goes back into the the dream sequence i
6: can't wait till we find out that david lynch is like fuck that movie yeah
1: <laughs> i mean he's he, I, I haven't seen him credit a lot of other filmmakers for anything he does but yeah. you know we're all influenced by something so yeah. I, i'm yeah. willing to accept that this might have been a small part of the framework that kind of helped him make any any number of his movies you know yeah yeah uh
2: anything else to say about Suspiria?
1: I mean, there's never I, in my mind. This is one of those movies that there's we're, we're never done we're talking, talking about. Yeah. But yeah. I want to make sure we have time to talk about Child's Play. So we should wrap it up and you know uh, just say like if you're a super fan out there and you're chomping at the bit that we didn't talk about a specific performance or you know the 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 manservant guy who doesn't speak any uh, <laughs> English or Italian or just yes. only speaks Romanian. That dude, everything about him, yeah. or the little child in the weird Victorian outfit that Nail I didn't that. understand. Shit like that also I fucking loved. It was and so like good. The, but
4: the manservant guy, why did they make it one of the details that they ripped all of his teeth out and gave him dentures? Like that was just like an unnecessary... like it was like such a, like an aside <laughs> yeah. thing yeah. to be like, that's a really brutal detail. It made
1: For, me think it made me think of Kanye West though, right? Because he just had all his teeth replaced with metal. So
4: did he? I didn't know that.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> he has he, was, med- he has metal teeth now. Oh, he, he has God. metal teeth specifically modeled after um Richard Kearns from the james bond the jaws oh jaws
6: <laughs> wow it's, it's fucking Rip.
3: insane <laughs>
6: um yeah jude i was gonna say you you made me remember the um the like german like dance instructor who just picks on him like, yeah. the whole yeah yeah
4: she's like yeah. calling him stupid so and, mean for no okay. reason
6: but that's the thing is i think you know they we like you said we don't see you know we don't see the magic we don't see them performing like incantations or anything but for all we know it's like maybe you know he's committing the murders because they're controlling him right to do so you know they are his yeah. he is their servant and
4: this is my my last thing about i think why suspiria had such a powerful impact on me watching it in 2023 you know I love Marvel, I love like a cinematic universe and prequels and sequels, like I love like when you get to really get into the granular depth of like what's happening in a universe that can be immersive. I saw this movie, I was like this is an hour and a half, I'm having a powerful sensory experience. You don't even really understand why a lot of what's happening is happening and then it's over and you're like wow. That was nuts.
2: Yeah, I I can recommend – there was a film that uh, cracked my top ten that I watched in December called Fuzzy Head mm. that was similar to that. Like, it had big, like, is this person awake right now? Is any of this actually happening? But, it, yeah, it was just, like, 90 minutes, like, over and done with. Like, it moved me. I felt these, like, intense emotions. I was drawn into it, and then it was just over, and I was like, okay, I, that's. I don't need to know anything else about this fucking movie. Like that was I consumed it. That was it. It made me feel this way, and it's done. Yeah.
1: I I will say though there is a sequel to Suspiria, oh. Uh, Inferno. Oh shit! There's uh, two, there's two there's
4: two. Well, sequels. yeah, but I mean, I, he, I did I did lead by saying I'm not like the scholar. No, 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 no,
1: no. But I will say that like uh, I only think of uh, Inferno. Like the third movie, uh, Mother of Tears, is like just unwatchable in my mind. So it is uh,
2: universally def- agreed upon to be one of the uh it is universally agreed upon to be probably argento's weakest film yeah i
3: think that's true worse
6: than the dracula oh yes. oh yeah i think it is
1: well i you know what i've never seen the dracula so i can't say for myself yeah
6: i've Uh, never seen inferno
1: oh it's i love i fucking love it it's it's not as effective as Suspiria, but it's its own kind of nightmare, and I think it's right. pretty magical. It's it's it has, it's definitely worth seeing.
2: It has a house filled with water, like that's for like no
1: fucking reason. Of- <laughs> uh, at, at, at one at one point, um, this the house guy at this apartment building has just decided to kill a bunch of cats for no reason, and uh, he's just he's just uh, takes them to Central Park to kill them, and so he's attacked by rats, and then a random man cu- stabs him. And he dies, and oh. you're just like, "What the fuck is happening right now? Like it's it's insane, but I love it. It's really yeah. great." Okay, we should definitely stop because I could we could keep going mm-hmm. forever about this movie, but I we got to give Child's Play its due, so, right. so we should take a break.
2: Take, we're gonna take a quick break, and we come back. We're gonna talk about uh, 1988 American giallo film, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Child's Play. We'll that one right doesn't back. offend
1: me. I'm not offended by that.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, there is a, there is a black love in this movie, Liam. You can go exactly. to hell. Exactly. Oh. Okay. All right. We'll be right back.
0: Everyone has a birthday they'll always remember.
3: Can we open my presents
6: now, Mommy? A good guy. I knew it. <laughs> I. I'm Chucky. He's something, isn't
0: he? This is Andy's. Time for bed, Andy.
4: Good night, baby. Good night, Aunt Maggie. Good night, Dougie.
0: Everyone knows most accidents happen at home. How did that happen? This is no accident. Andy? I'm Detective Mike Norris. Homicide. Andy! Miss Peterson's dead, Miss Barclay. She
3: fell from the kitchen window.
0: Someone's moved in with the Barclay family. (gasps) And so has terror.
6: Mommy, I know who was on the counter. Andy. Who, Andy? Chucky. Nobody believes you about Chucky. My hand.
0: I, I... Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Why won't you believe me? Because I'm sane, Mrs. Barkley, sane and rational. No one believes the truth. <laughs> or lives to tell it. There's nothing nice about murder, and there's nothing innocent. About child's
2: play. And we are back to talk about 1988's American Supernatural Slasher film directed by Tom Holland from a screenplay he wrote with Donna Mancini and John Laffia, Child's Play. Now, I'm going to postulate something. At the gate, I'm going I'm I'm to say something. Um, and it's not as drastic. But watching this this, watching this, this time around, this dawned on me. We've all seen Hellraiser, the first Hellraiser film. Pinhead is barely in that fucking movie. The movie is about Uncle Frank and his weird thing with what's-her-face, and it's about morality under duress. And then because Pinhead was such a striking character, all the sequels became about Pinhead. This movie operates under a similar uh, phenomenon where, like, there are a lot of, like, scenes in this movie that don't rely upon, like, slasher tropes. Mm-hmm. and like blood and guts and gore and violence but instead there's there's scenes in here that actually are like crafted to create this real atmosphere of terror that I think a lot of the later ones just do away with and don't bother with and they're just like oh no it's chucky he's a fucking he's a killer doll like that's he's and uh i don't know like that's that that was something i wanted to talk about um and also how fucking weird this movie is and it, it it's like there's so much more going on in this. scene, like, oh, it's a killer doll. Um, so yeah, let let's let's talk
5: about our exposure to. Ch- I think it was Greg. You said something about how the poster used to like hit you. So yeah, because it was just one of those things. I mean, as a kid, and you see this, you know, you can tell it's a horror movie because you see, like, if you have seen the the poster or maybe it was even the box of the movie, it's just Chucky looking evil like. Holding a knife, and um, I just remember being like, "Oh my god! Like, I need to, I need to see this! <laughs> like, like, what is this? You know, craziness." Um, and I think, like, what what Justin was saying, you know, the problem with the this franchise is that they lean like this movie has some parts where Chucky says stuff that's funny. But I feel like they leaned way too into the comedy, like as each one mm. went on, and it just became oh, yeah. kind of ridiculous. Um,
1: I mean, I think the thing for me is that Chucky is a fast-talking misogynist, so the <laughs> fact that he became an idol in America is like really not that surprising. Like, <laughs> that, I, I'm I, I would not be surprised if there were a number of people watching it going, you know, that Chucky's got some good things to say. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of yeah. on his side actually.
5: <laughs> yeah. and, and and honest, I mean think brad Duriff's like you know a like the legitimate actor you know like oh yeah
4: oh, and for like, sure. also the voice of terror just like brad Dourif's voice like yeah if you heard upsetting. brad Dourif on a zoom call and like the camera was off you would be like uh-oh
2: he is one I, I honestly believe he is one of the most under underrated actors that dude yeah. brings it in he brings an intensity to every fucking role he's mm-hmm. in Absolutely. And like this, this movie, especially the scene at the end when she has him in the fireplace and the, sh- the way he's talking is like, if that wasn't Brad Dourif, that scene wouldn't be scary, but it's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it's Brad Dourif fucking with the pedal to the metal, just like screaming profanities. And it yeah. just, it it really elevates it to like, cause like, uh, I'm sorry, a two foot doll, killer doll, a two foot tall killer doll. Is not scary. Like, my friends and I used to talk about it, like, they're, they're fun movies, but, like, I would just, like, step on Chucky's chest, and what he'd he just sit there and, like, <laughs> call me a cocksucker? Like, good, okay, cool, we're gonna burn you alive later. But it, it, when it's voiced by Brad Dourif, then it becomes like, oh, holy shit, this is, like,
6: not a thing I want to fuck with. Yeah. And he's an actor who, I, I mean, I don't know that I can't say that much about acting, but he, I think he does a lot with his eyes, and for yes. him to still come through mm-hmm. you know as an animatronic doll like he he his yeah his voice speaks volumes. Yeah. Well and I
1: think it's it's meaningful to me that he has stuck with the franchise for so long and while the movies are stupid I don't think he makes the role stupid. Right no, like no. the scripts no. have gotten dumber but he's still trying to make Chucky Chucky right. He's right. not yeah. he's not trying to ham it up and be like "hoo hoo I'm Chucky you love me." It's like well I think he's still trying to imbue Chucky with the same sort of attitude, right? Um, I think we, you know, getting back to the question of, like, our history with this movie, when I was a young person getting into horror, I fucking hated this movie. And it was based entirely on the idea that Justin just said, who the fuck is afraid of a doll? That was it. That was the whole critique. It had nothing to do with the quality of the movie, the actual filmmaking, anything like that. But... It was partly because, as someone who was getting into horror, that movie kind of exploded a little bit and has continued to be like one of the more popular franchises. Like, part of the reason there's so many spin offs and movies and shit is that people fucking love Chucky. He's like, it's the "Mm." only,
2: this is the only franchise where the, the, the timeline has not changed. Right. Every, aside from the remake, every single Chucky. Property with Chucky in it, you can trace that back to this movie. Like, mm. there's no weird fucking Halloween three or anything
5: like that. This is the same. No, no retcon. Yeah,
2: yeah no. there's yeah. none of that,
5: yeah. which is fucking impressive. Yeah. So I think. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the TV show at all? I, I have, have not it, No. I have not. So it's, I think.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. Sorry.
5: It's uh, it's fun, but it's it's super. It's definitely like. In fact, I didn't even finish this last season. Um yet I will but it's like it's ridiculous
1: so I think like when I was younger because of the love was so intense I just didn't really give it a chance and when I finally watched it I was struck also like partly what you said Justin it's not that slash for a slasher doll movie Mm -hmm. really it gets more slashery towards the end before that it's a child anxiety movie like there's a whole world of movies in which no one believes the kid right yeah. and it's not always because of a monster sometimes it's like other scenarios but that feeling of oh i'm a kid and no one thinks i'm telling the truth there's actually some real anxiety there whether the doll is doing shit or not you know what i mean like there's something to that it's also kind of a crime movie right there's this whole aspect of like um uh we i got to get this guy cuz he owes me and the the cop doing the police stuff there's like this chicago crime aspect and then on this viewing was the first time i realized um it's also kind of slapsticky. The scene with him in the car, right? Not that it's okay. not yeah. that it isn't terrifying to like something's trying to hurt me while slapstick. I'm driving the car. Yeah. But all the stabbing and shit—it's literally like a Looney Tune. And for some reason, mm-hmm. I, this is like the fifth time I've seen the movie. No other time did I realize how fucking funny that is. Never before. And watching it yeah. this time, I'm like, when he stabs up in the seat, the guy's trying to drive the car without getting his butt stabbed. I was like oh, wait, this is funny. Why did I never realize that this is fucking funny before? And I think like that's part of the vibe that maybe appealed to people is that while this is a serious movie, it's not like tongue-in-cheek like some 80s horror movies could be, it still has some fucking funny moments and not just because Chucky's mean to women, right? Moments happen in the movie that like, Are kind of well done and funny in a way that I I don't think clicked for me when I was younger uh, when I was really just kind of focusing on Chucky in and of himself I will say though even though Chucky isn't scary when he comes out of the heated grate and gets the skeptical cop that did get me the first time I saw the movie Mm -hmm. the first time I saw it I kind of screamed at that moment because I did not I should have seen the setup that like he's going to come through the grate I did not see it when I was younger and I literally screamed like a little scared child Uh,
2: the scene where he is walking down the hallway with a knife all burned yeah yeah, yeah, at yeah. Andy. yeah the way that shot yeah. I that is like top five that's up there with the scene in the the shot and the thing where after the dogs get it and Wilfred Brimley is talking and there's that brief shot of the fucking it's got the needle like venom teeth and it's just like looking at the camera yeah. like that scene of Chucky walking is so fucking terrifying
4: yeah no and I would agree
2: like, oh, and like man.
4: Oh Yeah. And like, I don't know, along the lines of what you were saying, like about the um, kind of implicit humor in it, Liam, like, so um, it kind of makes me think of like, when you read like Franz Kafka's The Metamorphosis, you're like, okay, this is like, you know, obviously like existentially like terrifying and like this, like, but then you're like, wait, the motherfucker keeps trying to go to work. Like, that's funny. Yes, like, why so does he need your stuff? And like, when the Chris Sarandon, like, when he's like stabbing in the car, I was watching it and I was like, oh, that's like tense. But then I was like, wait, why don't you just step on the brake and run out of the car? Like, what do you, like, what? Yeah, exactly.
1: Because um, it was more fun to watch him try not to yeah. sit on a knife. And that was exactly. fun, right? Exactly. Maybe it's not hilarious to everyone, but it has a, it has a whimsical fun to it that mm-hmm. you don't always see in a movie that has other moments that are as serious as this movie. Again, yeah. as serious as you can be with a doll. but But I do think like... The terror of the mom is, re- you know what I mean. Like there are yeah. other sources of anxiety in the movie, whether that's this cop that can't believe he's endorsing the idea that a doll is doing this, or the mom trying to save her kid. And uh, and right. what's well, weird so is a I,
5: single a single mom yeah. in 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 the city, and and like they make the city just look, you know,
4: mm-hmm. yeah. scary too. I feel like like a, like like a DC like, movie. Yeah, yeah, and, and, the city and, looks like what cities are represented as on Fox News. Right.
5: <laughs> and it, really, it really does. And, and you know, because it just looks like run down and, you know, just unsafe at every turn. And... There's like gunfights
4: um, outside of toy stores in this city.
5: Yes. And, and you know, people standing in front of tr- lit trash cans. and Which, by the way, Jude and Fidge, a fun fact, our mutual friend Danielle Ramirez... Her yeah, uncle, yeah. her uncle is the was the extra, not even an extra. He was the guy that sells the dog.: What That rule? Oh, my gosh, get the that's fuck Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Look, 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 yeah. look him up. Uh, I forget what his. I think his last name's Ramirez, but that's her huh. uncle, the one. And that Danielle's sells.
4: mom was a Chicago cop. She could have worked alongside Chris Sarandon. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, circling back just a little bit, I had never seen this movie until. The prep for this episode, and I will tell you exactly why. So, you know, a a lot of like discussion I can completely understand of like, you know, who would really think this is funny? You could just put your like foot on his chest. I'll tell you who I mean, who would think this is scary. So when I was a child, um, the only toy that I wanted one year for Christmas was a My Buddy doll. Yes, my, my Buddy. As soon as I got the My Buddy doll, my older brother, as older brothers will do, will convinced me that that My Buddy doll was Chucky, and I like threw the thing in the trash. I was like, I Oh my God. To see this again.
1: <laughs> my buddy. My,
3: oh, buddy, my
4: Buddy, and me, kid yeah. sister. Oh um, yeah,
1: I remember Kid Sister. Fuck. That commercial was yeah. so fucked the way it went. And now also Kid Sister. I'm like, "Wait, what? <laughs> like it's just like an add-on? Like it's like a new yeah. verse or something?" <laughs>
4: um, yeah, so like, you know, I had never seen the movie until this year and Greg, you mentioned something interesting a second ago and this is a little bit of like a conversational cul-de-sac and I want to introduce a potential conspiracy theory right now. So the name of the child who owns Chucky, his name is Andy. Andy, yeah. This movie is about a sentient toy, a murderous sentient toy. It comes out in 1988. Fast forward a couple of years, and there's a budding, uh, you know, a uh, uh, film, um, children's film company called Get the Pixar, fuck out of here. And they have their flagship movie, and the name of the child in Toy Story is what? And dude, that tracks. You know why? Seriously.
2: It's, I mean, I'm assuming we all, uh, if you look at the carpet patterns in that movie, it's the same carpet patterns dude, from the fucking dude. shining.
4: Were they, were they stop it? Were they trolling us all along? Come on. I, that's like some, like.
2: Those dudes are the people who made those movies. Those are, that's on, there has to be on purpose. Those guys are horror fans. They're definitely winking and nodding at the camera.
4: Gotcha. For sure. Gotcha. Yeah, it was like they could have named that kid in Toy Story Jimmy, anything, pick any other name. That's why I didn't realize that about the carpet patterns, Justin. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I have a
2: conspiracy theory. Do this it. movie was this movie was supposedly directed by Tom Holland, but what I think is that actually Steven Spielberg came along.
1: Stop <laughs> it. I hate you so fucking much. Yeah, I got so the two two aspects of this movie that give it probably the necessary flavor right there's there's two things that kind of set this apart from other movies of the time well maybe not apart but they add some a little more texture are as we already talked about there's the the urban panic right this is a this is mm-hmm. a thing in mm-hmm. a lot of 80s movies of oh my god the city have you been to a city it's so scary and that's like part of the thing the other of course is the voodoo aspect that he uses voodoo to go into the doll i love it i mm-hmm. love it see these these two things that to me add texture to the movie i don't like either one i think they're both a bummer mm-hmm. they both bum me out and it's so funny because when from afar before i saw it i think i would have been like oh those that's interesting at least it's not just the dumb doll but like for me watching it later with less judgment i was like i don't know i like the doll aspect of it but like i don't love the whole voodoo thing it feels a little weird uh Obviously, the way they're showing it, and then, again, not that Chicago in the 80s was like a perfect place to be, but this is so fucking exaggerated. It's like a goddamn Mad Max movie, and I'm like, this is not real. This is ridiculous, actually, what they're doing right now. And so both those things kind of bummed me out a little bit, and even on this watch, I was kind of like, meh, they're just not my favorite.
2: Well, I mean, what what were the like, – okay, so the, the options would have been like if he transfers his soul into an evil doll, he's either going to be a Satanist or – they could have, let me, they should have done it where it was like some like, you know, Nayar tep, give me the power of the ancient Azeroth or some shit like that. But they, I mean, are you saying, are you implying that, that the voodoo part was something about like black people in Chicago?
1: I, I'm not saying it's necessarily just because of Chicago, but I do think that movies like that, movies like, again, a movie I love, Serpent in the Rainbow, that yes. a lot of 80s movies were like, fuck have you heard about voodoo and it's like it's it's just a theme it's just another theme from the 80s that i'm like i don't love it i it is a thing it does this is by the way way less egregious than again a movie like serpent of the rainbow right like or uh what is that one um steven seagal's Seagal's mark for death (laughs) i was gonna say that (laughs) cult movie with uh uh uh, this is a terrible conversation because I'm not going to remember any of their names. It's a movie where all the rich people in New York are in a cult and they're stealing children, and they're all being led oh. by this crazy voodoo guy. Uh, the, the 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 I'll look it up. Point is, okay,
4: Rosemary's um, well, Baby. That's no, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's it's got a really voodoo famous
1: Joe? it's got a really famous guy in it whose name is escaping me, and that's why I'm so mad right now. Um, But it's just a common trope in 80s horror movies, and I'm sure it was in 60s and 70s, but it's very common in 80s movies, that, like, bums me out because it's just, like, that's not what voodoo is, right? Like, voodoo is just a common spiritual thing that, like, even, even the way we represent zombies and shit is not really what it is, right? And so, like, that aspect of it, it just is, like... I, I agree with you, Justin. I don't know that there's a more elegant way. And to be fair, the satanic panic was such a fucking nightmare that if they made it mm. Satanism, in a sense, that's also bad, right? Because well, that I, shit kind of really ruined people's lives. But on the other hand, you're right. They got to make it something. So I guess it's I okay think, that it's food. I, yeah. I,
2: I think they, they wanted to do, yeah, they didn't want to do Satanism because that's too obvious. So they just took a step down and were like, well, what else is scary?
4: Sure, 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 sure. What's, yeah. what's
5: funny about the voodoo stuff?
2: Non Judeo
4: Christian those... belief systems were what's scary in the 80s. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> but, exactly. Like, <laughs> along those lines, I will just to back up your point. I didn't mean to interrupt, Greg, but to back up your point, Liam, I did in my notes have the question is this gross Orientalism of Chucky <laughs> being like created by voodoo? um at least
1: they made the voodoo guy a good dude right like he's like nah man this fucking sucks like that i thought was actually a bit redemptive by the way the movie i was thinking of was the believers starting starring martin sheen and it is it is very much a you know what's scary africa you know it'd be even scarier (laughs) if people did africa shit in New York. And you know what's even scarier, and this is the only part that I like about the movie, is rich people. So instead of it being uh, <laughs> urban people in New York doing you know, basically voodoo, it's a bunch of rich people and they're eating children. Side note, uh, seeds of QAnon, anyone? Okay, good. ahead. Yes.
2: They, also, they could have made Charles Lee Ray black. They didn't
5: go as bad as
1: that. That's, did, as that's it fair. Have been. That's fair. That's but then him transferring into Chucky would have been complicated for an '80s audience. Okay, Greg, <laughs> you were gonna you were gonna say something. You were gonna say something. Well,
5: also saying. most most serial killers are white. So also true. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See that the I watch a lot of True Crime. <laughs> um, I was gonna say the thing that always gets me with the voodoo angle is how he transfers into the doll pretty easily. But then anytime he tries to get into Andy, all of a sudden the chant becomes much more involved and, <laughs> and somebody is always there to, to stop him right before he's, you know, he's going to transfer his soul uh, into the body. Like it's almost comical. Like if you try <laughs> to notice it next time, like you'll be like in the beginning, he says this chant and he's, you know, gets right into Chucky, but then there's, a, you know, the part later in the movie where he gets Andy back at the apartment and it seems like he's chanting for like two straight minutes.
1: <laughs>
5: yeah. What's, I mean, I, what's I don't crazier. Go ahead. When you, when you say what's the alternative, I don't know if any of you saw the remake. No. Mm-hmm. So the remake literally the way that Chucky is Chucky is, you know, the Simpsons uh, Treehouse of Horror with the crusty doll come to life. Oh, the good, the bad uh, switch. And the guy says, somebody switch this to evil. <laughs> oh, God damn it. That's literally <laughs> what <laughs> that is. What, what, what happens in the remake is he it's like some disgruntled worker sets the doll to evil.
4: So. Like that sounds like an absurd premise, and I've never seen this movie, so I have no business weighing. I out. love Albu-, but,
5: Albu Plaza, so uh,
4: I like I, I, the. Um, I like the idea in that that the villain is just like capitalism, and like you overworked AI. one rogue employee <laughs> in a toy factory, and sure, they're just like, yeah. "Fuck it."
1: <laughs> uh, go ahead, Laura. I was
2: just gonna say, I'm, 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 I'm actually completely on board with that as well i yeah. had zero interest in seeing that remake until it was phrased that way and now yeah. i'm like i gotta fucking watch that movie oh i,
5: I, I had fun. i thought it was fun it yeah, was ridiculous but it was fun it, it's not bad i've seen worse and mark hamill i mean he's no brad durham yeah. for that but if you're gonna but,
6: have somebody do you know if you're gonna voice, have somebody do the joker voice have him do right. the Joker voice for Joker. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I, was, I was literally about to ask, does he do the Joker
6: voice? I think he yes. can only do the Joker voice. Sure, 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 sure sure, sure. sure. popular for it, yeah. so why not?
1: I mean, you know, I, the guy who did Batman didn't do a lot of other stuff. He just did right. Batman, and he was perfect. You know, he's the yeah. perfect Batman.
6: Listen, there is no way that doll in 1988, let's say 87 even, because when it was being filmed and stuff, um there's no way that thing only took 2D batteries. I thought the same fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid 6 Cs or like at least 4 Ds. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah, those little doll arms would have been filled with just tubes of batteries. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's what's
2: funny about fencing and 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 dolls and everything is like a few months back someone when they released like the 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 um the full scale like Hyper detailed good guy dolls. Um, some guy brought one into our shop in Nazareth, and we were like, "Uh," and he's like, "Yeah, like I found it," and blah blah blah. And we were like, "Holy fuck, this is exactly how fucking <laughs> that's like, how they find Chucky." That's how they found Chucky. So we were just like, "What do you want for it?" And he's like, "I don't know, fifty bucks." And we were like, "Fuck, that's <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ."
4: it's that's actually just like maybe you were caught in like a viral marketing campaign that yeah was like
2: a, but then so it's it's still there and we're still like remember we got that fucking chucky doll like
4: dude i can't i can't how much
2: are you selling it for <laughs> i think i i think we have like 200 on or something like that
4: that's awesome so Man, the, go ahead, um <laughs>
5: let's just think of a, maybe i need to own a, a actual uh good guy doll um can we talk about, I know Jude and Fidge, we talked about it in our chat, but uh, as a parent, Liam, you'll know this, how nerve-wracking was the uh, breakfast in bed? When oh, my like, God. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> All that food sloshing around. I was just like, this is, this is disturbing me almost more than the doll.
1: Well, yeah, and I, I do think like it's funny to think, that he got up and just was doing all this shit. Cause I was like, "Yo, parenting in the eighties was a whole other thing. Like Dude. my daughter is like the same age, even a little older, right. Than he is in the movie. And if she was messing with the toaster, I'd be like, Hey, what the fuck are you doing right now?
4: Like don't <laughs> yeah. touch that. Yeah. Oh
1: man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Wait. So just, I'm, I'm just to make sure I've got the detail correctly. The like total prick, like um, guy who is, Andy's mom's boss at the department store who makes her work the extra shift when Aunt Maggie gets hammer smash faced and falls <laughs> out the window. Does that guy ever get his comeuppance in the Chucky cinematic universe no,
5: anywhere? Like he's never seen again. <laughs> oh, I was I was gonna ask if any of you have seen the the second one. Yes. Uh, it's long, been a long, very long, long time, time ago. Yeah. I would Same. the second one. See, one of the cool things about the second one is that it's so, like, with the first one, it's all, like, it's just Andy is, like, the, you know, yeah. one that believes. But eventually having, uh, you know, his foster sister in on it. So, it's, like, two kids. I mean, she's older. She's a teen. Uh, supposed to be a teen in the movie. Fun fact with her, she uh is Springer from SSD's former girlfriend. She's from <laughs> Boston. <laughs> oh, holy shit. Uh, all right. Boston hardcore scene. Um, but I really enjoyed the second one. It's a little more campy. Chucky's in it a lot more, but the kills are cool. And I think the end scene at the, uh, factory.
4: Yeah. That's memorable. That was horrifying to me as a kid. Yeah. It's
5: pretty awesome. I, I also
2: think something that like hits me with this movie is like a lot of the, a lot of the, the source of horror in this is like from a parental viewpoint where something is happening something bad is happening and your ch- it, it obviously involves your child and it's like you don't want it to be your child but the alternative is a possessed doll yes. and what kind of insane place that would put you in and that's only made and i i've thought about this for years even before like i had any sort of like quasi parental uh, responsibilities with you know being an uncle um what's his name uh the the, the actor who plays this who plays this kid alex vinson he is so perfect as this like heartbreakingly vulnerable child in this movie, dude, like the scenes of him walking around Chicago and just like the like the 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 anguish and the fear in his face when he's like crying. I was just like, oh, what the yeah. what the fuck did they do to this kid in this movie right. to get this performance out of him? Yeah. Like, yeah. What what kind of, like, William freaking fucking torture bullshit did they do to this <laughs> kid to make him cry like that? It's I, so heartbreaking and I'm sad. I'm actually
5: amazed that, like, he wasn't really in anything else besides these first two, and then he he's in the TV show. Now, here um, here's here's what I've heard about, like, the TV show, is that it kind of explores...
2: And this is something we've talked about a lot in the show. How there is no, there is, there is no happily ever after in horror movies. If you survive a horror movie, you're fucked for life, like that. Apparently, on the TV show, it kind of explores what it would be like to go on through your life as someone who survived this and how that would affect you. And it I'm does. really curious to watch that because I think that's such a fascinating thing to uh to to to, to explore and to look at.
5: It it yeah. definitely does. I mean, you figure the kid, you know he he's he doesn't show back, so he's in the first two, so you got to keep in mind already, it's, you know, he's traumatized after the first one, and then he goes into the foster care system, and Chucky still finds him, and kills his foster parents, but all the while, like, you know, nobody's believing him about this doll. Like, I'm trying to think too, like, like Justin said, from a parental standpoint, like, even in the first one, like, like, oh, Uncle Jude fell out the window and died. Uh, like, yeah, you know I mean? I like, 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 but Chucky did it. Like my doll did it. Like, because then you are like, dude, did my kid like flip out and right push out the like? It's terrifying. Yeah, and then they sleep there that night. Like we also talked about. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh,
4: yeah. Just so yeah. bizarre. We have different attitudes towards trauma in 2024. Oh, yeah. Better ones, well, I think.
1: Well, I also think it's like not an accurate portrayal, right? Because in 1988, there's that much circumstantial evidence linking that kid. They're just going to fucking arrest that kid. Are you kidding yes. me? Like, with <laughs> yeah. this satanic panic and full-fledged, they'd just be like, he's probably a Satanist. Let's just get him. Like, yeah. better safe than sorry. Let's arrest this kid. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. It's actually kind of funny that they're like, huh, his, his pajamas match and there's a hammer. Yeah, yeah, we should just leave. I guess. Yeah, let's just leave. And you're like, all
4: right, I, okay, sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and oh, go ahead, Greg. Oh,
5: I was just saying, and you know, he's 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 got he's in the foster care system in the second one. Then in the third one, it jumps ahead a little bit because it's like a different actor, and he's in military school. Mm-hmm. That one li- I remember. His life is just awful.
4: Yeah. I've I definitely with the third
5: one.
2: I the third one I remember being like I remember, even as a kid I was like you can't fire bullets with paintball guns fuck off.
1: Mm. <laughs> like, I definitely ridiculous. um I've definitely seen the second one I don't remember anything about it. The only other one I remember is whatever ridiculous one had the Jennifer Tilly doll in it.
5: Oh, yes. Yes. yes, Ride of Chucky.
1: Yeah, and that one I only remember thinking what like like I just remember it coming out and I think I watched it but I don't remember a lot about it.
2: There is a scene in the one movie when. I believe Chucky's son comes out as queer and the one guy is like talking to Chucky and he's like, you don't have a problem with your son being gay. And Chucky's just like, I'm a serial killer, not a monster. God damn it. And it's like, yeah, Oh, it's it's a that's a what? That's what awesome. the fuck?" It's, it's like
5: a TV show because well, Don Mancini, who I guess was one of the writers and he's been, you know, with the franchise the whole time. He's, he's gay. So
3: he, um, is he? Yeah. Wow. Huh. So he,
5: he makes, you know, And a lot of the TV shows definitely very, you know, uh, positive in that in that regard, you know, very open. Well,
6: in the Greg, in the series, Chucky has like two non-binary kids played by um, the actor from Sabrina, Sabrina. I can't yeah. remember their name oh, right. Sure, now. sure, uh, sure. Larch, yeah, 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 yeah.
5: Larch Watson or something. Yeah, no.
6: Larch, uh, Lach, Lach, Lachlan Watson, I think. Um, plays Glenn or and Locker. Glenda. Yeah, Glenn and Glenda. Nice. Yeah.
5: So there's a lot of you know again Don Mancini, uh, kind of put a lot of that into the series.
6: Greg, mm-hmm. would you dis- would you describe the series as woke?
5: <laughs> joe biden's
2: america is really <laughs> child's play i'm um, sure there's
5: people that are upset about it yet. oh i know for a fact they are that's <laughs> I,
2: one of the things i don't miss about being on twitter is hard twitter where i yeah. have to see shit like that all the time uh,
4: yeah i mean
1: it is already weird that uh the that chucky right when he's the strang he's the strangler right why does he have a partner
3: right yeah. Like,
1: that yeah. in and of itself, like, oh, wait, two men are going around and strangling women? Uh, yeah. They're gay. Like, they love that's each the, other, that's right? That's the
2: whole like, side stranglers. I mean, that's what they did. It's yeah. just,
1: I love, I remember as a kid watching and going, the other guy just drives the car? Is that what happens? Like, I don't
4: understand their relationship. Oh, oh, yeah, because they're not robbing banks or, them, or something. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we definitely have been talking, I mean, you were bringing up the point about the kids acting, Justin. That kid like, gives me big time like Danny Torrance vibes. Like, yes, absolutely, um, absolutely. You know, and I guess the the movie's message of like the terror is domestic. You know, like kind of lent that feeling to me. But um, another like filmic connection that I saw because again I promised I would make this connection to this movie, and it's like something I sort of view many pieces of media through. But um, uh, this movie came out in 1988. Two years before that, nineteen eighty-six, David Lynch's Blue Velvet came out. There's a scene in this when Andy's running from Chucky, and he runs into a closet that has like the slotted doors. Yes, and it's like, like
2: the scene when. Okay, I see yeah, where you're and, going with this. Yeah. yeah,
4: you know, and I can never see a scene where somebody is hiding in a closet looking out through like the slots in the door without thinking of obviously like Blue Velvet. Like, get me a get me a
2: bourbon shithead. Yeah, or whatever.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but you mentioned black, uh, black Christmas earlier, like the kind of like deranged phone call. One of the scenes that I found really unsettling in child's play was when, um, there's like a, for a minute you get like the subjective camera work, like Chucky's point of view. And it's like all like jangly, like walking, like a person who's just learning how to walk on like doll legs would walk. And it was sure. just like, yes, ugh. yes. I was that just like creeped me out in a way that I couldn't really even explain.
2: I mean, it's, it's also like the, the scene where she's like, and this is, this is another one of those things that like always really freaked me out when, when she finds that the batteries aren't in them and she drops them and there's that weird way he rolls yes. under the thing. Yes. Then, yeah. I don't know how they did that, but it looks so unnatural. And I then agree. Picks, I agree. she, she picks them up and she's like, um, you're going to talk to me or I'm going to throw you in the fire. And it's like, there's this moment where you're, you're you're you feel that she's like, please don't let this thing talk. This is and then when he starts going, you fucking filthy. Fu-! Like, again, that goes back to the Black Christmas where it's just it goes yeah. from nothing to this stream of just filthy profanity mm-hmm. from a fucking doll. That is that yes. is yes. that is so scary. Oh, yeah. there it, yeah. It, It's it's very big Black Christmas vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: Justin, one of my notes is. Um... Uh, Chucky rolling under the couch after being dropped is terrifying.
4: And there's I, like I, a, there's like a full twenty seconds where she like gets down on her knees. Yep. She lifts up the little fucking flap of yeah, the couch, yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. "Fuck." When that's is what this I'm saying. Happen?
2: That's that's what I'm saying. Is there's a lot of mo- There's a lot of that in this movie where there's the setup for actual to build terror and to build the like the the anticipation of something terrible happen instead of just having it be like oh he's going to stab her there's like it, it, it's like yeah. you don't really get that with like these 80s franchise movies but in this one it's like they really do a lot to invest in the whole idea of like imagine you are this person and you are bearing witness to what you think is impossible but is actually happening in front of you. You would go fucking crazy if that happened. Yeah.
4: Right. And like the two alternatives for that character, like are my child is a murderer or this doll is a murderous exactly. toy. Yeah. Like
2: you're fucked. Either, or I'm going crazy. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's like, right. It's like, there's no, it's, it's one of those like hopeless, like there's no way out of the scenario. And it's, it's so fucking good.
1: friends i uh i hate to rush us but i gotta get my daughter to bed soon so if we can all right
2: dad i'm just saying i hate to say it i'm sorry (laughs) all right so that was child's play gentlemen thank you so much for coming on here um this was so fucking awesome i'm so glad we finally did this um where can we find you guys on instagram and social media if you want to be followed
4: oh yeah thank you so much for having us um Every, I would say everybody else probably has much more robust socials. Um, I have uh, an Instagram account. My handle is Jude Prefer an Astronaut. Um, I get that play, reference. Yeah, a little play on a little '90s space rock band. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, give me a follow. I'd I'd love to be friends with you on there.
6: Uh, I'm on Instagram at RayRayFidge, Fidge. Uh, two of my beloved nicknames combined um I'm not super active on there, but uh nobody should be so uh come back now.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I
6: have just my name,
5: red pollard and then of course uh something to do podcast, which i do oh. with jude here, which we're not we're not very active but we, we when we rear our ugly head, it's usually for something fun um so that's something without the g two t o d u podcast at and what's that instagram. about that's about who's, who's that about that's about uh the replacements the replacements
2: and who's gonna do. do yeah oh, oh holy shit i was i was making a joke about the replacements but we have ha- ha- we,
5: ha- we have uh you know we go on some tangents and then of course uh where it went podcast at instagram uh we h- had a winter break but we are coming back with uh Rev 70 you know we go through the Revelation Records catalog for anybody list I don't know how you know I don't know what the crossover between the hardcore and the horror is there's a lot but, uh, I'm sure there's a lot so yeah we go through the Rev the Revelation catalog so at the time we're recording this we will be gearing up to do uh the Kill Holiday LP Oh
4: <laughs> fuck that's awesome yeah, that's rev sick.
5: 77. That's what's up.
2: All right. As always, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash CinePunks. Uh, if you absolutely f- feel you have to, which you don't, but, you know, if you have no other choice, head to www.xlvacx.com. We have Apparel Creations. Um, Chris Reject has been inundating me with a horrible number of Instagram stories. So please give him something to do then harass me, because it's bullshit. (laughs) Um, Also, head to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com, and when you check out, check out code CINNAPUNKS, spelled the way it sounds. And finally, Mechanical Shark Media, the homie Sharky, who uh, he and I one day will conquer the state of Alaska and return it to the indigenous people.
3: I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Other than that, uh, we are out of here. Take care, and as always, fuck the IDF, and fuck Elon Musk.
1: Yeah, I've been to that. All right. Love you guys.
5: Peace. Cool.
1: Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe.
5: Weird, obscure,
4: and possibly unsafe.
3: Available anywhere you get your podcasts! Hey!